0: Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. Greetings, folks. Uh... Earthlings, how's everybody doing out there? We're recording this on a bright spring day. I'm like in this really good mood, which is like just ridiculous. But I'm also in a really good mood because I'm here today with Moxie Rogers from the uh, BIPOC queer um, cohort. And I just want to say good afternoon, Moxie.
1: Good afternoon, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super glad to have
0: you. Um, so, uh, Moxie, typically we, ta- we start this off with hearing a little bit about the writer in question. And um, uh, you and I actually met each other like a, a couple of times yeah. at this point. Um, uh, I know very little about you outside that you are an artist um, a writer and that you have performed some of your stuff at Portland Playhouse, mm-hmm. uh, which is super cool. So I would love to, I would love to hear a little bit of the story of Moxie Rogers.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was actually, I was raised mostly in Gonzales, Louisiana. Um, and when I lived there, uh, my mom, I watched her write, all the time. And she raised me basically in Barnes & Noble and bookstores. And I have been writing fan fiction <laughs> since I was like eight years old. And um, I have always found that writing has felt like the one of the only ways that I was able to fully express myself. And I've often said that I don't even know how I feel about something until I'm able to get it onto a page. And I often feel like it's a am having a conversation with my writing in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like I present to the page, like I feel something so hard and I feel something so raw and I just don't quite know what it is yet, um, and it's not until I, I I get to the finished product of something that I look at it and I go, oh wow, I guess I guess that's how I felt. Um, and so I have just been writing my whole life, and I um, I when I was 13, I moved to Las Vegas, and that's where I went to the Las Vegas Academy of the Performing Arts. On
0: your own or with your family?
1: Oh, with my family. With mm-hmm. my family. Oh uh, yeah, I wasn't just like hitching a, <laughs> hitching around 13 years old. I'm getting out of here. I'm gonna be famous. Um, but I I've also also done theater my whole life as well. And so um, my love for performing stories as well as telling them has kind of like gotten me through life. And um, when I went to Las Vegas, I went to, I went there for high school um, and that's where I went to the Las Vegas Academy. And my focus was predominantly in theater. And um, by the time that I was done there and I was graduating, I just, I realized that I think I liked Writing the stories more than I liked performing them and I'll always have a place in my heart for performance. I love performing so much, but um, I really love being able to tell my own genuine authentic story and poetry allows me to do that. And so when I was 18, I moved to Portland. Uh, I moved to Portland uh, because I watched that show, Portlandia. And okay. <laughs> yeah, <Is> that right? <laughs> that is so true. Um, everyone always laughs when I say that. Um, I just I, I'm also a person who loves to laugh. I love comedy. And so I was watching that show and I was thinking it's got to be based on some truth, right? Like, this is so funny. I, I got to know what is up about this place. And uh, Portland State was the only school I applied for and they had an early acceptance. So like I knew within a month of applying that I was getting in um, and kind of like the, the rest is history. I, I moved out. I came to Portland all by myself. I don't have any family here. Um, and I went to school at PSU for uh, creative writing. I was actually the first freshman admitted into the um, creative writing program. Um, and my focus was in poetry and my minor was in film studies. Um, and I've just been creating... Creating art ever since?
0: Dang, Moxie, you were ready for that question. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That was that was fantastic. So Now, would you like to share a little bit of your writing with us?
1: I would, yeah. I actually um, just wrote this first piece I'm going to share. I just wrote a couple days ago. Um, And so just a little bit about my personal life. Um, Over the course, I spent most of the pandemic in a long-term committed relationship. um, And we were dating for about a year before the pandemic. um, And (laughs) Because
0: when you're (laughs) super young, the long term is a year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, before the pandemic, we dated for a year and then the, the next two years of the pandemic. So in total, we were together for three years. Oh, I got you. I um, got you. And this is I know I, I talked about that boyfriend I had when I was 16. But since that, I never had another boyfriend. Um, and so I met this person when I was 21 um, and I would describe him as my like first real love. Um, and uh, I was really I got really depressed over the pandemic. Um, and I think it greatly affected my ability to um, love myself. And with no love for myself, I was like really incapable of giving that love out. Um, and so that relationship did end uh, in the end of January. So pretty fresh. Um, and I wrote this just a couple days ago um, to kind of process what I've been going through in this healing journey um, of like refining myself and who i am so um that's a little tidbit Uh, and this is called the breakup part one he's standing in the corner of the room in this frigid empty unfamiliar room and he's a ghost his face is contorted in my memory a painful grimace a weeping broken that floods the room I remind myself, you can't drown again, you can't drown again, you can't drown again. The drive home is a blur, a kaleidoscope of wet color, a bullet train drenched in the aching, a cold so palpable my teeth chatter. I'm gripping the steering wheel, oh, my fingers like decaying frostbite, a dead thing becoming inside me. A morning so deep in my throat, my teeth began to chatter and I thought, this is exactly how people die, isn't it? They freeze to death. They become frozen in the media res of a broken story. They speed 80 miles per hour down the highway until their eye, with their eyes closed and the windows open so the rain can drown them again, drown them again, drown them again. My heart stops at every traffic light and I can't help but hope it'll never start up again. And then I am home. It's a collapsing of my body into the ground, a yearning to be of the dirt again. It's standing at my own funeral. A wailing. A true wailing of which I've never heard come from me before. It's his face in the rearview mirror, contorted, red, painful, and... Betrayed. The image like a photograph... I am pressed to the back of my eyelids, and I am pressed to the floorboards of maybe the living room, maybe the kitchen, maybe the bathroom, or maybe the stairs. I flood this whole house, and while I am sinking, I think, you can't drown again, you can't drown again, you can't drown again. The bear inside of my chest roars against the possibility that something I was protecting was harmed. I feel the rage of my own hubris pull me into a spiral, feel my claws want to tear my own throat apart. How could you do this? I think with the terror, this isn't a dream. You did this. I pray every moment that I'm awake, he's gone and it's your fault. Dear Lord, please let this be a nightmare. He's gone. Please let me wake up. Please let me wake up. Please let me wake up. Part two. It isn't a dream. I do not tear my own throat apart. I hurt myself in the only way I think is beautiful. I stop eating, stop thinking, stop trying to live. I feel his ghosts haunt the empty spaces of my bedsheets, the vacancy in the morning light, the absence spilling into the passenger seat of a car. I fantasize driving off of a bridge. You can't drown again. I play the night over in my head on a glitching film reel. He's blaming me for things I swear I haven't done. He's screaming, fuck you. He's striking, you don't have common sense. I know he's right. I know the truth is I didn't have the capacity to care about his feelings because I stopped caring about my own a long time ago. I know the truth is I didn't love him the way he deserved because I hated myself enough to starve and carve this body until it became so sharp it cut anything that came near. I know the truth is that I was a poison that I poured into my own mouth and kissed him goodnight and called that love. I know the truth is that's the only way I ever learned how to love. I strike back with the finishing blow. Maybe we're just two different people who really love each other and are not meant to be together. He gathers the nails of the coffin in his neck, looking up at me, three years of weights lifting from his shoulders, nodding with an urgency that knocks the breath out of me. I suffer one last moment of clarity. I won't ask you to take me back. But if you ask me to stay, I won't say no. He doesn't ask me to stay. I put my things in boxes and prepare for my funeral. Part 3. The days go by like the drive home I stand in front of every window, trapped in the panes, haunting the glass with a terrible sobbing. I sit on the porch and smoke a CBD cigarette, the ones we bought together a week ago on the beach, my favorite place, our special place, our secret. Yes, those ones that he looked devilishly sexy smoking. Yes, those ones I got myself because it was my birthday. Yes, I sit on the porch and smoke and cry and try to remember how to feel anything other than the overwhelming possibility that I might be having a heart attack. I spend the evenings Googling. Can you die of a broken heart? A part of me hopes you can and that it'll happen quickly. Part four. It doesn't happen quickly. Every minute feels like a decade has passed. The seconds drag into the night, my head as hollow and emptied as my stomach. While it is my chest that heaves with a heaviness I am convinced may kill me, the bear fighting against my ribcage demands to be felt. I fear this will be my undoing, and the bear, still exhausted and so fucking angry, just wants to protect what is soft and scared. The roaring is too loud to sit in the stillness of the weeping in the wake of my open wounds. I lost what I loved. I lost what I took for granted. I lost what I abused. I lost myself in looking for anything that would make me feel something. And there, in the caverns of my aching, I yearned to find the lost cub, the babe wandering in the wounding, and bring her home. Part 5 And here we are now found
0: all right (laughs) all right so much good stuff in this poem thank Um, you I I love the way you just like catch me off guard sometimes with like you think that you know what this image is going to be and then it's all of a sudden something different you know um, with the like your heart stopping at the stoplights um, mm-hmm. the whole metaphor about being cold while you're driving and how that's like dying. Yeah. God, I just love all that.
1: You know? <laughs> Thank you. Um,
0: uh, um, are oh, you under find the lost cup, the babe wandering and you're totally expecting one thing and you go to wounding and it even like sounds right, you yeah. know, and then it's like, but it's just different enough to catch you by surprise. And it means something like, so like, uh, just hugely different. Mm -hmm. do you know um so i really you know i'm sorry about your breakup and that it hurt (laughs) but i love the poem that came out of it
1: yeah i I feel really grateful that i made it was able to create something out of it um and i appreciate you saying all that because one of my favorite things to do with poetry is to i i always write from a place of truth and i i have trouble writing things that Aren't how I'm actually feeling, and so I always find that it's really fun to take something like I'm sad and try to twist that into like how can I say that in a million different ways without ever actually using the word? Right, and that's yeah, that's one of my favorite things I to mean, do.
0: You know, because uh, part of the thing about poetry, right, is that you know it's like as it is like language. So often, it's just such a clumsy tool mm-hmm. to um, to convey what we're trying to feel, and you know, with poetry you're trying to, you know, be more accurate, you know, yeah. and, um and these things that don't fit into words like sad or angry or frustrated or even brokenhearted, mm-hmm. you know, what is, so you know, you know, how, uh like, like you said, like, 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 you know, how do I find a different way to say this thing that is actually in the end, it's like, I feel like I have a much clearer idea of what you were going through because of, uh, how you felt like you were dying in your car yeah. with your fingers cold and stuff like that. You know, it was truly really, a uh, lovely work. Thank you. Um, should we read another
1: one? Yes. Yes. Right on. um, this one I actually wrote a while ago um, and harping back on what I was saying before about how I, uh, I used to pine so heavily after people. Um, I wrote this poem. Um, it's called, did I ever tell you about the night I fell madly out of love with you? Um, and it's about a, you know, a boy I never even dated. Just uh, someone, <laughs> I, <laughs> someone I was like, I love him so much. And it just, you know, you ever have those like situationships, and you're not, you know, you're not really with that person, but something was there. Um, so this is what this. this just is to
0: answer that about. question real quick. I've had several of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is for all those people out there <laughs> in that situationship. Um, yeah. So did I ever tell you about the night I fell madly out of love with you? I kissed the sky, made the moon watch. Gray blankets covered the horizon, the last ribbon of orange stretched across the distance between you and me. You held the sun and made me watch. Time loses track of me, a sinking syncopation, a pocket of touch, a momentary lapse lost in a trailing thought. The air gasps for a fresh breath of you and instantly drowns in itself. We stole the stars and made the planets watch. The ocean turned black, billowing beneath myself, brewing by the shore. When you reached your hand through the vacancy and clutched the void in between your trembling fingers, when I screamed so loud, the cloud shook with a storm so fierce, when you only saw me when nobody else was looking. When the earth caved in under the pressure of our goodbye and left a crater in the shape of you. For the first time, holding you in the palm of my hands, oh, you looked so small. I touched the edge of a black hole and made the universe watch. She became so wild with jealousy, she collapsed into herself, and there, in the cosmos, drifting between where your lips never met mine, awaiting, lingering, anticipating, Antiquated, suffocating silence. I fell in love with the existence of my own thoughts, and made everyone watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I and I love that. And I told, I told you before we uh, got started, um, I like had a really like visceral response yeah. to this poem. You know, um, uh, and some of it is, is you know I, I felt like was around my own like love affair with the sky. Mm -hmm. You know, and I thought you, uh, you know, I think it is really hard to actually make like space sensual. Yeah. You know, and um, and also I I think I don't know how many people uh, attempt to do it in that in that way. I think
1: space is sexy, you know, and
0: (laughs) I I, I just thought this poem was all over that, you know, Um, and the progression and like how do you progress from the sun and make that feel, you know, like the intimate smaller person part part you know and then like you that know, uh, you know it keeps growing and getting larger you know it I, 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 I love this poem
1: thank you yeah. yeah I feel like I definitely do have an affair with space um I, I love I love like putting nature into my poems and and working with it and oh man there's nothing better than looking up at a sky uh, like on a good night where there's like not a lot of light pollution and just the stars and the Milky Way and you're like how can I see that and I'm also inside of it right that's what I think love is
0: (laughs) and you were and you were nice yeah (laughs) Yeah, I um, mean you were in Las Vegas. They must have great stars. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. yeah, in the in the city, not so much. But when you get a little more out towards the desert, and you can find a good right. good spot, yeah, beautiful sky.
0: So we're gonna take a break right there, and we'll be back in a minute with Moxie Rogers.
2: I'm feeling jolly. I'm feeling jolly, Let's let the creativity and self-expression commence. Profile Theater, yeah, they're here to present to you a free writing workshop for any LGBTQ plus and BIPOC individual. You could choose to sit with us in a room in the physical join through zoom and do it virtual long as you're 18 through 30 years old you'll have the opportunity to write learn and grow from some of the most prominent writers this world has known learn to get in your zone and they'll teach you how to hone all your skills all your talents all your writing powers an affinity space full of artists once a month for three hours making major changes across the nation just by using your imagination and you might be thinking where is the location? Well, it's where Outside the Frame is In downtown Portland, up the stairs, in, in the Union Station You know the train station building with the big sign that says Go by train Here's your by chance train. to pull or express yourself in a major way. way We're here to listen to anything that you gotta say We wanna hear your voice, use your words, and take them straight off the page Even if you're thinking that you got no style Even if you haven't wrote for a while Come on down to Community Profile And let your creativity flow and go wild
0: and we are back on Voices from the Real World with Moxie Rogers. And so we are, and we have one more that's um, a little bit different.
1: Yeah, one more that's a lot different. <laughs> um, I I wrote this um, uh, just a couple days after. Um, the death of the murder of George Floyd. And I remember and this was another situation where I was feeling the physicality of this pain. And I kept thinking, I, I feel like I have nothing to say. And it was, uh, I, I have those moments every now and then, even as a writer where I I feel like I'm feeling so much. I have nothing to say, like everything's living inside of my body. But I knew that this pain that I had, I had to and there was another case I had to get this out. I had to put it somewhere else. Um, and so I didn't have a plan for this. And I, I wrote this in one sitting. And I just I have never edited it before. And I've only read it out loud a couple times. Um, and so I just want to give a, a warning to anyone listening. Um, this this does, uh, you know, it is about the death of George Floyd. And so um, it is a little more different than my personal pieces about my love life. Um, so if these words are going to be triggering to anyone in any kind of way, um, anyone in the, the, the black community, um, just, a, just a warning to prepare yourself. Um, and you can pause and take a breath at any point if you need to. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I, I read this for Joy Comes in the Morning, and I am really grateful to share it with you now. It's called I demand the right to see another sunrise. I demand the right to see another sunrise. I can't breathe. 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 I write it until it doesn't make sense anymore. I write it until it looks like something out of a horror movie. I write it until I realize it's never made sense. The day begins with my face pressed into my hands. My hands, these brown hands, have been shaking for several mornings. They quake into the evenings. They tremble so terribly sometimes I fear they will fall off. These hands are my only weapons. I use them to write. I shove my face harder into my hands, try to cut off my circulation, try to imagine what it feels like to not be able to breathe. I count the seconds waiting to pass out, waiting for the moment I just can't take it anymore. It is painful. A searing type of burn that lingers in the lungs and inflates inside your chest. It is terrible to not be able to breathe and still I try to see how long I could last with my breath suspended in my own hands. It is barely a minute, and then my hands, out of sheer instinct, out of a necessity to see another day, release me from myself, and I am breathing again. How lucky I am to hold my life in my own hands. I take in a gust of air, fill my lungs, let the oxygen clear my brain. And then I do it again. I do it over and over again to test how long I can hold it. George Floyd was suffocating for nine minutes with his head crushed to the ground, a knee in his neck, blood pouring from his nose and his mama's name dancing on his last breath. George Floyd was suffocating for nine minutes with his head crushed to the ground, a knee in his neck, blood pouring from his nose. George Floyd was suffocating for nine minutes with his head crushed to the ground, a knee in his neck. George Floyd was suffocating for nine minutes with his head crushed to the ground, a knee in his neck, a knee in his neck, a knee in his neck. George Floyd was suffocating. I bury my face into the pillow and I try again. I must know what that type of pain is like. I carry myself throughout the day in George Floyd's last breath, and something audibly snaps in my chest. It sounds like a gunshot going off in my rib cage, But I hold it there. I let it hurt. I let it take my breath away. I let it follow through my whole body. It is in the mornings that I try to find the words to describe what it is like to be black in America. I sit petrified and paralyzed in front of the TV and feel a knee in my neck. There is a bullet in my gut before the words have the chance to catch me. The blood in my mouth tells me to put it on paper. I must write about this anguish. But the words don't come. George Floyd was suffocating. The blood in the streets is mine. It is yours. I watch that video again, and I hold my breath during its duration. My breath does not hold for as long as George Floyd's was forced to before it left completely. I watch that video again and pound my head against the kitchen tile and wait for the blood to pool in the cracks. A headache starts before the tears, but it doesn't compare to cracking my skull against concrete. I watch that video again and dig my fingernails into my skin, pinch the cords that hold my head upright, dig, dig, dig until it pulls a scream out of me. But I don't hear it. I watch that video again and shove a fist into my stomach until it makes sense. But it never does and a knot forms in my throat. There are some mornings where I pray that it kills me. I can't breathe! 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 George Floyd was suffocating for nine minutes. And I have the audacity to demand the right to see another sunrise.
0: Okay. I don't think uh, anybody listening to this um, needs any context provided for uh, where that poem came out of. Um, uh, I think it's uh, like I I, I wonder because I I already know a a couple of other people who also, you know, tried to. Feel that, you know, and, you know, and, and this is, not this what art is about so often is, yeah. uh, you know, experiencing, you know, like you were trying to experience this thing. Um, and it's so fascinating and to try and, um, represent the experience of trying to experience something, you know, in a poem, yeah. uh, it's, um, and it's funny, you know, it's been almost two years now since this event happened uh and this you know poem brings it all rushing back you know and i and i'm and i'm Definitely. i'm really glad about that because um you know of course like a lot of people i'm concerned about the farther we get away from it the
1: the more the memory starts yeah, to we're fade, lose, the reason you know, behind why yeah, everything right, happens right yeah you know. i i definitely um do i i do have those days where it feels like it was so long ago and it feels really far away and then i i have mornings where i feel like it's the 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 morning of again it's the morning after mm-hmm. and I'm i'm watching that video and i'm i'm sitting in my kitchen and i'm trying to make sense of anything that's happening in the world and and I I feel like every time I, I read that poem, I've like I could physically feel it in my body again, the way that I felt when I was writing it. Um, and that's not to say that it's uh, like a, a a traumatic thing for me because I am very blessed to be alive. I am very blessed to be alive. And I know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of black and brown people who don't have that blessing right now who's they don't have a story to continue to write um and so i i know that i i walk around with my breath and i i don't take that for granted um but that's not to say that the the trauma of watching people who do look like you die on tv over and over and over again and we live in a time where social media puts everything in your face all at once all the time you know what's happening all around the world at any given point, um, and it's just made me so much more aware of of what of the of the the trauma that my 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 people are are holding, um, and so that's that's kind of what I feel. I feel that ghost of that trauma every time I I read that poem, um, but it also reminds me that I'm very very grateful to be alive and. Um, I feel I, I feel blessed every time I get to read my poetry. It just reminds me that the thing that I do with my breath um, is create.
0: Fantastic work, Moxie.
1: Thank you. you know, really,
0: really lovely uh, poetry and um, gift with words and um, passion. And it's um, a great pleasure to, uh, to to have met you and be working with you. And thank you so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me and sharing this space with me and giving me an opportunity to read my work. It it means uh, it means a lot to me.
0: Right on. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. Thank you to our creative team of Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A.K. Gano, sound engineer, Roberto Ortega, composer, and Sam Mowry, the Willamette Radio Workshop, recording engineer, and that's where we recorded at. And all of that exists on the traditional lands of Monoma, Kaflamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala, bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin Band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. And we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea. Thank you for joining me for Voices from the Real World. To hear more po- podcasts, go to profiletheater.org on air, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World, as well as our other podcasts, Satellite Beyond the Page. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at B at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.